So I think our clinic helps caregivers see their loved ones through this brain-based lens. Um, we encourage our families to remember that if their child could, they would. So if they could be successful or meet the expectations set for them, they would. If they could control their impulses, they would. If they could have better days at school, they would. So when we as caregivers and providers are able to shift our own perspectives, we're better able to lead with empathy. Inform, educate, advocate. This is your source for all things early childhood. From nurturing healthy development to overcoming behavioral challenges and recognizing mental health needs. Welcome to Centering Kids, advice from the experts at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. Bailey, a brunette, and Poppy, a platinum blonde, are the best of friends. They live together, they work together, they even carpool together in the morning. They also help children and families together. Bailey, as the assistant director for Florida's only fetal alcohol spectrum disorders clinic, or FASD clinic, and Poppy as her canine companion. Yes, you heard that correctly. Poppy is a blonde lab. Officially, her title is canine companion for independence facility dog. Hi, I'm Mary Favorite, and you're listening to Centering Kids, advice from the experts at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. Today, my guests are the dynamic duo, Bailey Jackson and Poppy. <coughs> Welcome, ladies. <laughs> Thanks, Mara. We're happy to be here. So, Bailey, we mentioned that you are the assistant director for the Florida Center's Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders Clinic. What exactly is fetal alcohol spectrum disorders? Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, or FASD, is this umbrella term that we use to describe a range of symptoms that can occur from in utero alcohol exposure. These effects may include physical, mental, behavioral, and or learning difficulties um, with lifelong, lifelong implications. Oh my goodness, that's, that's very serious. And I hear it affects 1 in 20 children. Is that right? It is. And I would say that's that's a conservative estimate, one in 20. Um, but, but yes, really one child in every first grade classroom could meet criteria for an FASD diagnosis. Wow. And this month is FASD Awareness Month uh, for the, our listeners out there who aren't aware, which is why we focused on our clinic. So... Bailey, you work for the only clinic in Florida, and could you explain a little bit of how that functions? Sure. So the first step is to reach out to someone on our FASD team so that we can hear your concerns and to make sure our clinic is the best fit for your family. Um, in order to qualify for our clinic, we need confirmed alcohol exposure. And sometimes finding confirmed exposure can be a bit tricky, but our team can talk you through the different steps and approaches to get that necessary information. Um, after that, you complete an extensive intake packet that gathers information related to developmental history, mental health concerns, medical needs, school history, etc., cetera, uh, so that we can get as clear of a picture as possible regarding what needs may be present. We use this information from our intake paperwork to request, request records, 
which allows each FASD team member the opportunity to review any relevant history. And while that's taking place, we also connect you to our FASD parent advocate who links our families to our various caregiver supports um, and education and school advocacy. So when you say when you're reaching out to you guys at the FASD clinic, you're talking about parents or can also doctors or other clinicians reach out to you? Yeah, that's a great question. So we take referrals from anyone. So it can be a parent who's reaching out to us, whether they be a biological parent, a foster parent, adoptive parent. We take referrals from different um, providers, different mental health providers or developmental therapists, medical personnel, really anyone can refer to our clinic. That's great. So you guys, the clinic has a unique approach when it comes to analyzing potential FASD individuals. And it's a specialized model, from what I understand, that only occurs here in Sarasota, but now you also have a satellite office in Central Florida as well. Can you describe a little bit about those those two clinics, about the process? Sure. So once we get your clinic date, so once you've completed the paperwork and your, your clinic date has approached, one of the things that really stands out about our clinic is our multidisciplinary approach. So on the day of clinic, the family meets with a licensed clinical social worker, licensed neuropsychologist, licensed speech-language pathologist, licensed occupational therapist, and our parent advocate. And so together, our team gathers relevant history from the caregiver, and then the child meets individually with the different providers, so neuropsychologist, speech-language pathologist, occupational therapist. Um, After all the testing and observations, our team comes back together again, really with the goal of understanding this individual through a brain-based lens. Um, Our hope is that families leave the clinic with a diagnosis, an understanding of their child's brain-based strengths, and also areas where they could use some extra support. So from the time of contact to the time of the clinic, what the timeline like for that? Well, I would say it it varies. So prior to me taking this position, we had quite an extensive wait list that I, I think at times lasted close to a year. Families would wait for their clinic appointment. Wow. But as FASD, as pe- more people are recognizing FASD and understanding the support that our clinic provides, we were able to get increased funding. With that, we were able to add not only a clinic day in our Sarasota office, but like you mentioned, expand to other parts of the state. So right now, our wait list is maybe just a couple of months, which is such an improvement for families. That is. And I know the other thing that has improved is the parent advocate who contacts them. As soon as they make contact, that parent advocate is there to just support them through the process. So they're not like, you know, waiting in limbo alone and like, what do I do now? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it can be a really isolating diagnosis or kind of 
families can feel isolated prior to getting to our clinic. And so by immediately connecting with our parent advocate who has lived experience, who she herself is raising a child with an FASD diagnosis, she is able to provide such a wealth of support and understanding and education to our families. We immediately get them connected to our private Facebook group, our online support groups, um, our education and school advocacy series. So really, we want families to stay connected from the moment they reach out to our clinic. Yeah, and for our listeners out there, um, the parent advocate that we've been talking about has also appeared on the show a couple times. Her name is Jen Worden, and she's discussed um, in great details her her um, struggles and just her experience with FASD. So I'm sure she's a big comfort to those families. So, okay, they're on the wait list for two months, and it's the big day, clinic day. What happens when they get to the Florida Center, or do they have to come here at all? Oh, yeah, great point. So, um, you know, during COVID, our clinic pivoted to a fully remote platform. And so we still have that option of of serving families and having them come through our evaluation um, via Zoom. I would say the majority of our families right now are back coming to either our Sarasota office or our Orlando clinic in person. Yes, these are long days, um, but families come in and they get their evaluations. Um, the child meets with each of the team members, and we all work together to to see this child or this this individual through that brain based lens. And how long do these clinics usually take? So they're the full day. Um, depending on the age of the child, um, they'll actually meet with the neuropsychologist maybe the day before, and that's can sometimes be up to three hours of testing. And then the day of clinic, we allot six hours. Um, However, sometimes it does run longer. And that's because our team really takes the time to understand this this individual, this family. And really, we, we put our heart and soul into into our recommendations and um, really supporting them the best way we can. So it sounds like these clinics can be pretty intensive and the process can be a lot for, you know, especially for some of the younger children. But in the long run, this is a more efficient process than the child, than the parents kind of going and meeting with specialists all over the region. Um, can you tell us how having all these professionals in the room together is beneficial? Sure. So you're most certainly correct. It's a long day, but families really are so appreciative of our team of experts that we have taken the time to understand their loved one through this brain-based lens. Um, As you mentioned, oftentimes our families are seeing many specialists, receiving lots of different services and interventions from multiple providers. And it's rare that all of these providers are speaking and consulting with one another which can result in fragmented services or key pieces of information being missed. And so our multidisciplinary approach gives caregivers the opportunity to share their concerns and answer questions one time without having to repeat themselves to a bunch of individual providers. And and so this holistic approach really helps parents a great deal in supporting and understanding their child. 
Absolutely. And, you know, that's one day that they have to take off, you know, (laughs) not take off a bunch of different days and go to a bunch of different appointments. Mm -hmm. So I totally get this. So in this process, where does Poppy come in? Besides, other than a calming presence, what can your uh, clients expect from a visit from Poppy? (laughs) So I would say clients can um, expect to immediately be greeted with a wet nose and a wagging tail. Um, Poppy absolutely loves being around people, and there is a high probability that once you start petting her, she will quickly drop to the ground in the hopes that you will rub her belly. (laughs) And that, I'm sure, calms or brings some light to the situation. It does. I mean, she just brings such joy, not only to our families, but also our FASD team. And as we talked about, clinic can be a really long day filled with lots of emotions. So in the afternoon, um, Poppy can oftentimes be found curled up against someone's feet, snoring loudly. (laughs) And hearing her dream and snore brings a moment of laughter and smiles to all of us in the room. That is really sweet. Nice to picture. Um, So I know just because I've been here um, a little bit longer than you have that you and Poppy came as kind of a package deal when we hired you. You already had Poppy. So what exactly is a canine companions for independence facility dog and how does one go about, um, you know, getting one? Sure. So Poppy is an expertly trained assistance dog. Uh, Canine Companions for Independence, they breed and train all their own dogs. Being a facility dog, Poppy does not assist me with a disability, but I work with a population where her services can be utilized. It took me um, probably about two years to go through the process of getting Poppy and being matched with her. There is quite a bit of, um, I would say, kind of ongoing um, services and, and things that, as her handler, I have to do um, and, and provide documentation for canine, two canine companions for independence as they retain ownership of their dogs throughout their working life. Um, so right now, I'm, I'm just Poppy's handler, but when she retires, I'll, I'll get to officially adopt her. Oh, that's nice, because you guys have been together how long? We have now been together five years. Oh, wow. So it's been the best five years, <laughs> and she really has just brought so much um, joy and and a calming presence to to the different areas and agencies that I've worked for. And I hear she's officially an FASD fur fighter. Is that right? <laughs> she is. So she has joined the fabulous FASD fur fighter team. And we are so thankful that they recognize the importance and, and the benefit that animals bring to, to really anyone, but especially those with, with a disability. And just for our listeners out there, FASD Fur Fighters are another nonprofit in Florida that we work pretty closely with. So, um, can you think of maybe a specific story about how Poppy made an impact on one of your clients? 
Sure. So we think about this often, but there is one clinic in particular where Poppy really stood out. So we were evaluating a young child. She was probably about three or four. And it had been recommended for quite some time that this child engage in early intervention services like like speech and language and occupational therapy. However, this little girl was very busy. So she was really just unable to sit still long enough to even begin to engage in any of these services um, or, or these th- families or therapies. So, um, so she just continued to struggle. Well, they come to clinic and our team is, is wondering, okay, well, what's going to be different about today? So we're all in, in our clinic room together and our speech language pathologist sets out a blanket on the floor and starts to get out her testing supplies. Well, mind you, we're all thinking, okay, well, well what's going to happen, happen next? Well, Poppy immediately gets up from where she, she was and she goes over and, and lays on the blanket. Well, then sure enough, this little girl stops what she's doing, goes over to sit next to Poppy. She begins to pet her. She lays on her. She tugs with her ears. And the therapist just starts to do her evaluation. And so the child was able to complete not only the speech language portion, but also the occupational therapist one because of Poppy's presence. Um, The parents and our FASD team was shocked the mom was was saying, well, I've never seen my daughter be this still or this engaged in an activity for so long. So that was pretty amazing. That does sound amazing. And I've actually heard of that before where the child has like ADHD or some other um, kind of disorder or something that is preventing them from receiving their therapy for their disability. So mm-hmm. I can totally vision that in my mind. So When she's not melting the hearts of our clients, what does Poppy like to do outside of work? Any favorite hobbies? (laughs) Poppy's favorite things are definitely getting belly rubs and lounging on the couch. (laughs) Every once in a while, she gets a little pep in her step, and she likes to play with her um, dog friends in the neighborhood, but you can mostly find her cuddling. Well, we love to cuddle with Poppy. And if you've had a bad day at work and you just walk over there, it's definitely a nice feature of working at the Florida Center. So as we mentioned earlier, September happens to be FASD Awareness Month, which is why we're kind of focusing on FASD. What is one thing you think every person should know about the disorder? I think that FASD is just much more prevalent than we think, um, FASD is oftentimes an invisible disability, so we don't immediately recognize that an individual needs extra support or accommodations to be successful. Individuals with FASD often get labeled as being manipulative or lazy or defiant or aggressive, when in reality, these aren't just behaviors. They are symptoms of a brain-based disability. So I think our clinic helps caregivers see their loved ones through this brain-based lens. Um, We encourage our families to remember that if their child could, they would. So if they could be successful or meet the expectations set for them, they would. If they could control their impulses, they would. If they could have better days at school, they would. 
So when we as caregivers and providers are able to shift our own perspectives, we're better able to lead with empathy. Um, that's a wonderful lesson. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so in addition to providing these clinical analysis for individuals living with FASD, your team also does many trainings on FASD, which so you're informing the community of this of this disorder. Can you talk a little bit about um, some of our upcoming courses? I think we're doing a families moving forward and also facets training. Sure. So Families Moving Forward is a specialized treatment that was tailored for families raising children 3 to 12 with prenatal exposure um, or fetal alcohol spectrum disorders who have clinically uh, concerning, concerning behavior problems. And then FACETS is an approach to understanding FASD from a brain-based lens uh, known as the neurobehavioral model. And this model is applicable to FASD and any other brain-based conditions, like you mentioned, ADHD or even autism. Wow, that's amazing. Our main goal with doing these trainings, what is the pie-in-the-sky goal here? (laughs) I think just to get more people FASD-informed, whether they be mental health therapists, caregivers, school personnel, medical providers, we want to remember about the alcohol exposure, and we want to see individuals through a brain-based lens. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion. For those of you listening today, we'll leave more information about the Canine Companion for Independence program, the FASD clinic, and our upcoming FASD trainings in the show notes. Is there anything you wanted to add, Bailey, that maybe we didn't touch on? No, I think I'm just thankful that you had us on this morning and that we can bring more awareness and, and understanding to um, about FASD, really get the word out there. All right. Well, today's podcast was sponsored by the law offices of Dunlap and Moran. The firm has a regional reputation for excellence in estate planning and real estate transaction areas. And they're also a longtime supporter of the Florida Center. So we definitely want to give them props. Other support for our podcast comes from listeners like you. If you would like to learn more about the Florida Center for Early Childhood, a nonprofit that supports the healthy development of young children specializing in those with delays, disabilities, and mental health challenges, please contact us at info at thefordacenter.org or visit our website, thefordacenter.org. That's our show for today, folks. Join us in October to learn about another interesting early childhood topic. Thank you so much, Bailey and Poppy, for being on the show. (laughs) Thanks, Marib. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Centering Kids. You can visit the Florida Center for Early Childhood online at www.thefloridacenter.org to learn more and subscribe to this podcast. Have comments or suggestions for a show topic? Email us at podcast at Thanks again for joining us for Centering Kids, where early childhood experts give you tips and tools to help center children, foster their healthy development, and build stronger families.